Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Voices of the Vic with myself, Mike Duffy, and as always, uh, my co-host, Ben Aiton. Uh, ben, first of all, thanks for joining, and unfortunately, we're not going to be talking about a, uh, a win for Watford today after the international break, but uh, nevertheless, always good to speak football with you, Ben. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Um, good. Almost finished my Christmas shopping. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's good that um, the, the club football's back now because that international breaks, it's boring, isn't it? It, it was yep. too long. I, I think it was unnecessary as well. We didn't really need it. Um, but yeah, I'm glad um, club football's back. And yeah, unfortunate that we couldn't get more than a point yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was frustrating. But um, it's not just me and Ben here today, ladies and gents. Uh, we, we're going to be, over the next few podcasts, hopefully getting a few guests to join us to talk about the game. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined by Tom Wicks from the Golden Pages fanzine. Uh, Tom, thank you very, very much for uh, for coming on today. Thanks for having me. It's great to, uh, great to be on this pod. I love listening to it. So, uh, yeah, great to be a part of it. Yeah, no, not a problem. Thank you very much for the uh, kind words. And like I said to Ben, it's a shame we're not able to uh, dissect the a victory. But I suppose a, a point is better than none. We'll we'll start at the uh, we'll start with the team news, gents. There were three changes that were made to the last game, uh, and the changes were Wilmot, Shalabat, and Pedro came in for Cabaselli, Cleverly, and Garner. Um, now, first of all, I don't know about you, Tom, but I was very surprised to see Cathcart play, considering he played quite a lengthy amount of time for Northern Ireland in the international break. Yeah, I think um, in a, the post-match interview, they said that he'd um, he'd spent one night in his own bed in the since the last game. So uh, he's obviously been on the road and you know playing football, you know, for Northern Ireland as well. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was somewhat surprising, but, you know, he's an experienced head. And to be honest, I thought he was the man of the match yesterday um, yeah. with his performance, surprisingly, despite playing all that football. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I was going to touch on that a little bit later in the pod, but I certainly thought he was man of the match. He, he did a brilliant job. Obviously took the armbands because there was no cleverly. Now, Ben, in terms of the, the, the back two, would you have maybe kept Cabarin and maybe swapped it around? What, what would you have gone with the team news? Possibly, yeah. Only, only because all three of our centre backs had uh, were away on international duty. Uh, Trucy Com was away with Nigeria. Wilmot obviously played those two games for the under twenty ones. I mean, Cathcart played those two games in Northern Ireland. So I was, I was surprised that the one defender that we had left at London Colney didn't start the game. Um, yeah. 
but I, I did like how we set up at the back. I think he um, he changed it and put Wilmot over to the right centre back because he's been playing over on the left hand side lately, and he looked very comfortable on the right. And and like um, Tom's touched on, Cathcott slotted in on the left hand side, and he was man of the match. He was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely he was. Um, the the main thing really from the team news that we sort of took away initially from it before the match was it looked as if we were playing with a front three. It looked like our prayers had been answered. It looked like Sar was going to be playing out wide with Pedro and then Gray through the middle. But it didn't quite perhaps sort of work out that way. I, I don't know what you thought, Ben, but it almost looked at times that Pedro was maybe playing in midfield. I don't know if that's what you sort of grasped from that as well. He he was playing deeper than what we've seen uh, recently, but yeah. I, I did like that we was playing the three up front. I thought it was it was exciting to see. Um, it was interesting to see that we was going to attempt to attack QPR and yeah. try a different formation, and that was probably Ivic's strongest side to his disposal, wasn't it? Yesterday, but um, unfortunately, I think first half it it kind of worked having a three up top. I thought. Um, Gray, Pedro and Sav they looked alright they looked dangerous um, but second half it just went away yeah it didn't half and it, it's interesting you say that you know it looked certainly like the team that was when it was put out that we were going to just go for it attacking wise and we, we didn't take long time three minutes in uh, another short corner Ken Semmer assist uh, and it's great to see Wilmot get on the end of it couldn't have asked for a better start do, do, do you agree? No, it was, it was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it was terrible defending. Um, how, <laughs> yeah. how the ball was uh, wasn't cleared for, in the six-yard box is uh, is another question. But well, it was it was quite interesting the the corners yesterday um, yeah. with uh, Semmer playing um, being played the ball short by uh, well, it was Pedro on the right, wasn't it? Um, so that, and that took out two QPR players, which probably created the room for for Wilmot in there. I mean, we were we looked quite relatively dangerous. Um, Attacking set pieces, but I thought we were quite um, susceptible to, to QPR's set pieces. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's that's a start that, that you want. Um, but perhaps the way that Ivic plays, in that he likes to to shut up shop effectively. From what we've heard, um, maybe it was the wrong time to score. If there's a wrong time to score. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, you, you, I think you touched on it perfectly there. For once yesterday, watching. It's nice to see somebody that's worse at defending set pieces than us. I thought if we were going to get any goal, obviously we got the first goal from a set piece, but I thought if we're going to get another goal from here on and sort of push on, it's going to come through the set piece route. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. I, I don't know about you, Ben, but yesterday I just thought any set piece we got, we tried to play it short all the time. What is wrong with just putting the ball in and just trying to cause problems? I don't know if it's just me that it frustrates, but I, I, I just don't get the short corner routine. Yes, it works sometimes. I think, what is that, Semmer's uh, sixth assist now, Ben, is it? You, you put something out on the pod account the other week with the stats of the assists. Um, and it, it does work where we play it short to him, he crosses it in and we can cause problems. But I don't see what the problem is with just getting the ball in the box, especially when you can see that this QPR side is so sort of weak at defending set pieces. Is that something you'd agree on? Yeah, I just think you, you need to mix it up, really. You, you can't just keep doing short corners because then it's, it's a bit predictable. And you, like, you, you, 
you defend the, the next ball coming into the box better because you've just had three or four short corners coming into the box. Mm. Um, if I was a QPR fan, I would have been embarrassed seeing that goal going yesterday because, uh, like you say, he couldn't clear the ball from a six-yard box. I think he went to clear it and completely went underneath his foot and Wilmot got on the end of it. But, yeah, that's, um, I think, Semmer's second assist from a short corner because he got one on the opening day against Middlesbrough when that was played short and he crossed it in for Cathcart. Yeah. Um, but, yeah... We had some good chances from corners yesterday. I think Trucy Con had a free header that uh, he put wide. Yeah, he should have put half that target, had a free header that went wide as well. It was just one of those days at the office, wasn't it? It was just frustrating. Yeah, it was frustrating. And I think that was probably the best chance to, to grab a second goal. I don't know if, if you agree with that, Tom, where the Trucy Kong, it's almost as if he had the freedom of Loftus Road um, to, to sort of pull away from his man and get that header. And really... He should be hitting the target from there. I think there's that one. And I think the other one was, I know we're jumping ahead a bit, but that Andre Gray chance where it sort of maybe ricocheted off Andre Gray onto a defender or what, and their keepers literally just got down and sort of tipped it wide. It's something you'd see on a Sunday league pitch, you know, the, the, the way that it was dealt with. But I, I just think that we're not, again, it's another game where we've not been clinical in front of goal and, Sonic needs addressing about it and Andre Gray come out before the match and says if he gets a run of games he knows he can score goals uh, and you always sort of have to back stuff up when you say stuff like that but do you think that with Andre Gray maybe playing more games week in week out some he will get those goals? I, I, I don't know whether he can rekindle the form of uh, that that kind of got in the move to, to Burnley from Brentford Um I mean, hope, hopefully so. He, he seems to be a, a different player now. You know, confidence-wise, he seems to be low, despite what he said there uh, in that interview. Uh, I, I just think we've got better options at the moment. But, you know, you never know. You give, um, we give any, any player a run of form and a chance to get comfortable. And, you know, whether it's a, an attacker or, or the, the, the back three, um, you know, you'd hope that, um, that they would improve with, with the minutes that they get, um, I'm not sure, as I said, that, that Gray is perhaps the answer, but I ho- hopefully I'm proven wrong. Mm. Who would you personally go for if, if you don't think Gray's the answer? I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here, uh, so I do apologise, but who, who would be your choice? To be honest, I think I think Jao Pedro in the middle of um, an, attacking, an attacking three, yeah. I think he's, his positioning has been quite, not poor, that's probably a bit harsh on the lad because he's only a youngster, but... Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he needs to work on his positioning in the in the um, in the centre of a th- you know an attacking three. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else that he's got, you know, he's got the physical presence. He's got he can hold the ball up um, and bring other players into the game. And he's you know he's, he's relatively quick. He's very skillful, and he knows where the back of the net is. So I think I think if anyone needs game time, it should be Pedro in a three. But yeah, he, he does need to work on his his positioning. Um, alternatively, you've got obviously Deeney. Um, a very different player, um, and he will. I feel as though he's more effective in a in a two where you've got perhaps Saar playing off of him, um, as I, I guess Ivic had hoped for yesterday. Yes, but yeah, I think in a, in a three we should we should be playing a three. We should be playing on the front foot with the quality that we have um, in attacking. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would choose Pedro. Yeah, yeah, and look, you know, he's he's 
put on seven kilos. You know, we we saw the uh, the, the good effect of that against Stoke, as uh, as you pointed out, Ben, uh, when he bundled over Angus Gunn to uh, to get the equaliser. But um, he he's obviously he knows that he has to adapt to the English game, and I think the more game time he does get, the more these sort of little tweaks can sort of help him so his positioning wise me and Ben have always spoke at length before where he doesn't maybe have that instinct yet but he's very very new into English football and the Premier League's a different proposition to the Championship he's going to get bundled about he's going to get kicked lumps out of in this division so I completely agree you know I think going forward I think he can make that position his own but he has to start putting away these chances and I don't know if I'm being a bit too harsh. I know he had a chance yesterday. I, I don't know if you find this, Ben, but the amount of times I'm, I'm losing count every week now where I'm watching Watford and it's almost as if we want to walk the ball into the net. It's almost as if we we may be not confident enough to take a shot from the edge of the box or we, we just it's almost like that Arsene Wenger style play where as long as you pass it, you know, 20 times, you can then have a shot. I, I felt there was so many chances yesterday where the ball's fallen to someone on the edge of the box. Just put your foot through it. Is that something you'd agree with, Ben? Yeah, I just think they're lacking confidence, the strikers at the moment. We haven't got that clinical striker up top. Like last time we was in the championship, we had Dini was on fire, Igalo on fire, Vidra on fire. We haven't really got that this season. And I, I don't know where, who it's going to come through, but we need to try and find it fast because not getting this second or third going in games is starting to hurt us. And we need, we need to turn the corner quick. Yeah, yeah, massively. And I think yesterday's a prime example of that. You go 1-0 up and as Tom pointed out earlier, we know that Vlad likes to sit on a lead and he's done that in the past. He's perhaps learning that you cannot afford to do that in this division. Uh, and as you say, Ben, we don't have that clinical striker to sort of put us 2-0 ahead, 3-0 ahead, uh, which we had plenty of chances to do yesterday. Uh, and that was just in the first half. But I think after the clear-cut chance we've to Kong and then the sort of half chance with Andre Gray, it was all QPR from then. I think going into the second half, um, unfortunately, the my stream that I was watching on uh, cut out because we, uh, we had a power cut round there yesterday. So I, I picked it up again from the 70th minute. But it sounds like if I was a QPR fan, I would have missed a lot. But in terms of being a Watford fan, I didn't miss much from that 45th minute to the 70th minute. Um, if if you look at the stats for the second half, you, I mean, that tells you the story. 55% possession for QPR, six goal attempts, uh, albeit only one on target, three off goal. And um, it just shows that we, we really need to start putting these games to bed. And I, I just hope that Ivic is sort of mentally sort of taking note that this is happening uh, because it, it is really, really sort of tough to watch. And we've been here before with managers that haven't managed in the league. And it's almost as if they don't realise sometimes what they're getting themselves into. Um, so hopefully um, we can sort of sort that going forward and um, we can get Andre Gray firing on all, all cylinders. But yesterday was a tough watch in the second half, wasn't it, Ben? Um, just... We we just there's no other way of me putting it. We just didn't look like scoring at all. I don't think. 
Um, yeah, I, I want to bring up the, the substitutions at half time and the possible um, change of formation quickly before we go into like, the yeah, second yeah. half because I, sure. I do think that kind of changed the game. I, I can understand why Ivic wanted to bring on an extra midfielder because uh, I did think we was getting maybe a bit overrun. We was yeah. overcommitting in the first half and now he's catching us on the counter. You see, you'd probably want to shore it up a little bit. Um, I don't know why Cleverly wasn't on the bench yesterday because I think we really missed him yesterday. Um, we missed his work rate and his... He, he always picks up those second balls and we didn't really have that yesterday. Uh, but yeah, the substitutions, I can understand why Ivic did it, but it, it didn't work yesterday. I think the change of formation, we, we started the game at 3-4-3. Uh, um, that was working for me. I think we just needed to tighten it up a little bit in midfield. And then when we changed to 3-5-2 in the second half and put Troy up top, uh, it just didn't really work. I can see why Tro- he wanted Troy on because when the ball did go up to Gray in the first half, it didn't really stick. So he was probably thinking, right, we can t- put Troy on. He'll hold it up. He might play in. Um, so I mean, we could get in behind and try and get that goal. But it just didn't work yesterday. But I- I'm not putting any blame on Ivic at all because I think the players need to take a bit of responsibility here. Ivic has got a tough job. It's not just, it's not just ch- changing the, the style of play or personnel he's trying to change the mentality at Watford as well remember we went down last season with one of our worst defences we were getting battered on some games and some of the players have still got that in the back of his head so he's got a massive job to do so I think he's doing all right for um, so far this season but yeah the players need to take a bit of responsibility um, I don't think the midfield two of Caput and Chalobah works um, it, no, no one really breaks up the play out of those two. Um, Kapu gets the interceptions. I don't know what Chalaba really does. I think he just runs around the pitch half the time. Um, I don't know if that's harsh, um, but I, I don't see him getting stuck in. I don't see him making tackles. Um, I, we need to change something. I think the sooner Will Hughes is back, the better. Yeah, and obviously him picking up that minor injury is a little bit of a blow and I really do hope it is minor because obviously he's not played this week. Whether he'll sort of play a part on Wednesday night, I don't know. Uh, one gentleman I want to ask you about, Tom, is uh, Domingos Quina. He come on as a sub at half-time for João Pedro. He's not really lived up to the expectations considering the Javi Garcia season and pretty much large proportions of last season. Our fan base was screaming out for him to be played more. Do you think maybe the, the sort of hype's maybe put him under a little bit of pressure or is it just... We've seen him for longer sort of periods of games and maybe he's not all that hot up. I, I don't know if I'm being harsh there, but what, what's your view on Quinner's role so far this season? Because we've seen him enough times, I think. I, to be honest, I, I'm not sure whether he's got um, the, I guess, the the identity to mm. where he's got a clear role in, in this team. Um, I, again, you know, it's one of those where we are, we're 12 games into the season. He's not played a lot of football in the past, um, you know, whether that be for you know West Ham or or us. Um, there's something there. There's clearly a spark, and you know he's lively and and everything. And I just hope that he kind of grows into um, grows into this squad and he, he finds a position because I'm just not sure that he's he's got a, a spot there where you think, oh yeah, okay, put Keaton in there and you know. He's the best man for the job. I, I just think there's better players around him. He said Will Hughes, Cleverly, um, Caput. They've all got functions that they do where it's clearly, you know, they have a designated role. And I'm not sure Keane has quite got that yet. But, he, you know, he's young. He's um, he's obviously got a lot of potential. And, I, again, I think he'll 
confidence it will um, will be massively important to him um, as as the season goes on. I mean, what do you think? Do you think he's he warrants a spot in the starting eleven? I wouldn't, uh, based on performances at the moment, and Ben, it'd be interesting to get your view after as well, but based on performances at the moment, I just don't see him fitting into our strongest midfield. I, I think that Will Hughes, um, Capu and uh, Cleverly at the moment are probably our best options. Um, and, you know, maybe argue a case for Garner as well, because I thought Garner was absolutely brilliant in the um, game against Coventry. Uh, and I almost feel like maybe Quinn has in, been in a bit of a similar position, whereby Ivic doesn't really know what to do with him or where to put him. Um, so maybe, you know, give him more game time and give him a run of games, he will become this player that we all expected him to be. But I just think as of yet, he's um, he's not quite lived up to the expectations. Now, it'd be interesting, Ben, in terms to get your view on Quina and the situation. Um, I think he's probably fifth or sixth, a fifth or sixth choice at the moment to come into that midfield. Um, he has a fantastic start under Javi Gracia. Um, didn't really play last season, which I think it's really affected his confidence. Um, he really needs a, a run of games and 20 minutes here and there is, isn't really good enough for him. So this fit, I think we've got better players in our squad at the moment um, to come in ahead of him. Um, yeah. So if if I was looking at it, um, I would possibly send him out on loan because that's the only way he's going to improve this. He needs to play week in, week out. And I don't think he's going to get out of Watford yet. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting view that you take. You know, so, some would sort of argue the case that um, he, he's perhaps too good for a lower league side because I, I doubt we'd loan him out to a championship side. So in League 1 or League 2, he'd sort of be a No, bit... I, don't, I don't think you could, you'd send him out to a League 1, League 2. You, you'd possibly send him abroad to a top-tier league or I Maybe would even send him to a cha- I'd even send him out to a championship side. Nah, Ben, you can't be doing that. Not, not, or certainly not allow him to play against us. I, I, I sort of, under, I understand where you're coming from in terms of he's not, he's not going to start a game once the midfield is fully fit. I totally understand that. Um, but whether I'd send him out to a championship side, I'm, I'm not so sure. But um, it was an interesting point that you made initially, Ben, with the substitutions, because as of Friday they introduced a new rule where it's nine subs and you can make five of them. Um, QPR made four. Uh, we only made the two. So, again, you know, Ivic's substitutions, we, we sort of praised him earlier in the season whereby his substitutions were positive uh, and we, we'd sort of come off the back of a season where Pearson's substitutions were sort of too late or non-existent. And I'm hopefully we're not seeing Ivic fall into that sort of trap um so yeah you let, let's let's hope that's not the case but i just think that second half was all qpr yesterday um i i just it, it is frustrating and you you have to factor in as well obviously that they had a goal disallowed uh rightly so as well for handball but you know it could have been a lot worse a bit like the wickham game where they had a goal disallowed but that was probably um the the wrong decision but their, their goal, how many times did we see defensively? And I, I'm probably going to get absolutely slaughtered for what I'm about to say, but I'm hoping one of you two boys will sort of understand where I'm coming from. Ken Semmer yesterday, he got another assist. He's been brilliant. I am not for one minute saying he's 
rubbish because I've waxed lyrical about him in previous podcasts. But I'll start with you, Tom. Yesterday, defensively, I don't personally think he was at the races yesterday. The amount of times that QPR played that ball through to, is it a say Samuel? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But the amount of times we got done on that side by him, I just think that, and maybe it's fatigue. We, we were talking last week, me and Ben, about Kiko maybe not looking at his best against Coventry. And that's because of the run of games he's had and maybe it's fatigue. It's possibly the same for Semmer. But just yesterday, I don't think he looked at the races at all defensively. Is that something you'd agree with or am I chatting complete nonsense, Tom? No, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's a few times he got completely skinned by Ose Samuels. Um, yeah, again, I'm not sure whether that's the, the right pronunciation of it. But um, I think that's that's probably why Cathcart was, was man of the match because he was covering yeah. so many times for Semmer. Um, down that left, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's not a, he's not a wing back, and we, we've everyone said that from the start. Yeah. He's he's slotted in extremely well. He's played brilliantly, and considering that he's you know he's got the the number of assists that he has, despite having to undertake sort of defensive duties, mm-hmm. I think that's just a testament to his work rate. But I think that the way that we've got to um, obviously it'll be it'll be helped with the uh, when Messina comes back, but. We need to get a left back in there or someone else, and we need to play him where he's where we utilise him best and, and doing what he does best, which is creating and being a danger going forward because he's not a defender. Yeah, yeah, and me another thing it'd be interesting to get your viewpoint on. Me, me and Ben did a podcast whereby when we've got a fully fit eleven. I think me and Ben both said that we'd have Semmer as part of the front three, maybe out on the left. Is that somewhere you'd you'd prefer to see him? In, yeah. in the system absolutely I think he's, he's made for that role isn't he um, yeah. I, I think it'd be nice to see him chip in with a goal or two but yeah. certainly attacking wise you know he, he takes on players and he's such a danger we've not really we've not had that for um, for, for ages really someone that you know will beat, him, beat a defender one on one or you know be a, be a main sort of creator um, and I think that that could be so important in this championship season um, yeah. some, someone to create something out of nothing because there's been a number of occasions where he's whipped a ball in and, and we've, we've grabbed a goal when we haven't deserved it really. Yes. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and Ben, going back to your original point with the substitutions, Ken actually picked up a yellow card and feel free to have you say on his performance yesterday as well if you want. Uh, but he picked up a yellow card and I don't know about you, but I thought maybe with the way he was getting skinned and that I say Samuel was a very, very good player, maybe a bit on thin ice, uh, and sort of treading water a bit, perhaps maybe the the right time to see Ngakia, possibly because you know we we know what Ngakia is about. We know he can fit into the role. Um, w- w- is that a substitution you probably would have looked at, or again, am I chatting rubbish? <laughs> uh, I was I was surprised that we only made the two substitutions in the whole game. Um, I, yeah. f- I thought now they've changed the rules and you're allowed up to five. I, I wasn't going to say we was going to make five substitutions, but. When we was under so much pressure in the second half, it kind of needed us to break up play and slow things down and probably make that substitution, which would have which have uh, stopped the tempo from QPR. Um, I, I would have possibly taken off Ken Semmer because I agree with both of you. I don't think it was one of his best performances in the Watford shirt yesterday. I thought he was bombarded um, down that left-hand side 
by QPR, I think. But, but there was there was so much pressure on him, and he couldn't really deal with it. And like Tom says, he's he's not a defender. He he's better further up the field when he can take on his man, and he beats his man with ease, doesn't he? I and mean, then he, he yeah. always provides these gorgeous assists as well. So yeah, it will be interesting to see when uh, Messina's back because I do think he 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 will slot in on the left hand side, and hopefully Semmer can play further forward. But yeah, I would have probably taken Semmer off and brought on Ngakia. Um mm-hmm. I would have probably shored things up. Well, not really shored things up. I would have taken off uh, Chalabar and brought on James Garner as well, um, just to freshen up that midfield because I thought we was very very slow to react yesterday and we looked quite tired and a bit of fresh legs might have changed that. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that. I mean, I'm baffled and I'm, I'm sure you are as well, Tom, but I'm baffled that we have didn't make all five subs. I think we can both agree on that. And like you says, maybe not make all five. QPR only made four, but definitely make more than two. And to not see Ghana, I thought that would have been a perfect game for him yesterday, especially coming off the back of the Coventry performance. Now, listen, I understand that the Coventry game was, what, two weeks ago, so he's not going to come into it exactly the same. But he certainly looked a lot better. And especially with the defensive frailties and the frailties defending set pieces, I thought, Tom, yesterday would have been the perfect game for James Garner, especially with deliveries. For from corners, crosses, etc., uh, and the players that we've got, like your Wilmots, like your Cathcarts, um, and Trusta Kongs, that we know can threaten from set pieces. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I wrote down yesterday about halfway through the second half, we just need to make a sub, we need to change something because, um, well, as as proved to uh, to actually happen, um, QPR were just continually to be dominant and. Um, you know, nothing was changing on on the pitch on our side. So, yeah, I mean, Garner is he's a, obviously a very talented player, and I think he's he's quite similar to Capu. I think he'll learn a lot from you know, in terms of his long long term career. He'll learn a lot from Capu. Um, I'm not sure whether you can have the the two in the same side and, and be sort of effective. But yeah, I, I agree. Like there was definitely room for him to him to play a part yesterday and I think his dynamism in midfield and his composure on the ball would have allowed um, you know Semmer and, and Saar in particular to have a bit of joy going forward because we, we were just we were just on the back foot yesterday and it was so frustrating because this isn't a you know we're not talking a, a you know top six Premier League side that we were playing no disrespect to QPR but they're not they're not going to be uh, in the top two or three at the end of the season we should be we should be on the front foot and bringing the game to these sides, whether it's home or away. Um, and that, that was that was probably the most disappointing thing is that it was just so predictable that that they would they would uh, equalise. And you know, it turns out we were lucky to hold on in the end. Yeah, it was. And just talking about their equaliser, um, and I think this is a point you made earlier, Ben, where we haven't got that workhorse in cleverly because. If you watch the goal back, which unfortunately I've had to do this morning to sort of help me, but um, we just don't close them down quick enough. They they were passing around us and they made us look like we were in QPR's position and they were in our position, you know, sort of, because before the equaliser, we were top because of results elsewhere, but they, they were just passing with ease and then to slide it through and a hint of offside maybe, you don't know in this league, you have to trust the opinion of the linesman, but whether it is or it isn't, they cut us open far too easily. And I just think that's because we didn't have those players in midfield pressing, like cleverly, he would have pressed. 
no disrespect to Chalabar, but it was sort of half arsed from him. He was sort of, I'll, I'll track him a little bit. I won't press him too much. And then Kiko comes over to try and get the ball off him. And then it drags him out of position. And then it looks like Quinners doesn't know where he's meant to be. And then they slide it through. And, you know, it's it's as easy as that. that that's what we should be doing to other teams, not the other way around. Uh, so it, it, it is very, very frustrating to see. But as Tom said, I think, we speak on most of the behalf of most Watford fans, whereby when they got their equaliser, my first thought was, please hang on for the draw. Uh, he's, he's actually, you were thinking as well, Ben, watching it? Yeah, just hold on. Um, and why is time going so slowly? <laughs> um, I thought we was very, very lucky to come away with a point yesterday. I thought um, QPR had a stonewall penalty. Um, I don't know what Chalabar was doing um, putting yeah. his man back on the corner uh, it was penalty all day long we got away with it I don't know how the referee gave it the opposite way um, but we'll take it um, but yeah we were lucky to come away with a point yesterday um, we were bombarded they battered us in that second half we were poor like you say we expect to go to teams like no disrespect to QPR but a side that's come down from a Premier League to a QPR side who probably finished in the bottom half of the table, maybe mid-table last season. You kind yeah. of want to take the, the game to them. Um, QPR were bringing the game to us. It was Yesterday, it, was, it wasn't it was great viewing. And it, it reminded me of the times of last season when we was just trying to defend under Kike Sanchez-Flores and it was just it was just dull. It, it just reminded me of watching that last season. Yeah, well, I mean, if you haven't already, guys, the very, very interesting piece about... Kike Sanchez-Flores and his tactics from Abdullah Decore, the interview that Adam Levensal did for The Athletic. Uh, and it was evident to, to say the least that, you know, what Ben has just said sort of backs it up because Decore said that when Sanchez-Flores was in, we were happy defending, but going forward, we, we, we sort of nullified. Uh, but yeah, how we got away with that stone wall, when he blew the whistle as well, I thought he's given it. And... Um, I just don't get what the referee's seen there. But listen, we'll take those decisions. The amount of times we were done in by decisions last season, we can we can afford a few. Uh, but it almost seemed as well that we, like you've said, at one even at one one when we should be trying to put them on the front foot and trying to go forward to get another goal, it almost seemed that Ivic sort of was happy with taking the point. And sort of thinking, okay, just defend for your lives. And don't forget as well, as I've mentioned, in the 90th minute, they did get a goal disallowed for offside. Um, I think it was either offside or the handball that he's given it for. Uh, either way, it was disallowed. So I, we, we got away with one, basically. Uh, but I, it just, something needs to change. You know, I, I, I don't have any more to say on that QPR game because I, I think we've pretty much covered everything that needs to be covered. And it's, it's been horrible sort of reliving it. It almost feels like a defeat. Um, uh, it obviously makes it that little bit harder because it is QPR. There is a tiny bit of a rivalry. But I just don't know how we can go from playing so well at home and then playing away, we, we just can't seem to cope with it. We've picked up, uh, is it five points on the road now? We've picked That's up... Six I think, points out of 18. Six points out of 18 on the road. And I believe as well, uh, I don't know after yesterday because... I don't know who out of the home teams won yesterday, but I believe certainly last week we had the best home di- record in the division. So I'm struggling to try and weigh up what the actual difference is. Um, so 
unfortunately, um, the next game that brings us on to is uh, another away trip uh, to Bristol City, uh, who have just re- who have just actually signed Adrian Mariapa. So uh, you definitely know that he's going to score from a corner against us, uh, and it's going to be in the last minute, and they're going to beat us one nil. Uh, you can just see, and we're on Sky as well, so it'll make it even worse. Um, but. Me and Ben did speak to a Bristol City fan um, and, to, well, to get a view from their point of view um, ahead of the game. And uh, this is what was said. Yes, we're joined here by Owen from the BS3 Talk podcast. Owen, thank you very, very much for coming on. And uh, we, we, we're going to talk about the game coming up on Wednesday night. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing good, thanks. Thanks for having me on as well. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, it should be an exciting one, shouldn't it, boys? Yeah, um, you, you can tell that you've got a little bit more optimism in your voice than me <laughs> uh, going off the back of the result that we've just endured. But um, yeah, yeah it, it is going to be an interesting one. Um, I, I suppose, as always, we'll start at the very beginning. Um, at the start of the season for you guys, you appointed Dean Holden as your manager. Uh, and from what we understand there was quite an uproar about the appointment. It might seem a silly question, <laughs> considering your position, but has that changed yeah. now? Um, oh, definitely. I think yeah. the attitude towards it has changed. I think where the issue lied was we'd had Lee Johnson for so long and it felt like to go and appoint his number two just didn't feel like there would be much change in the club. But things have changed a lot. I think Holden's really impressed a lot of fans in that he sticks, sticks with a, a system and uses it puts his players in his best position and I know that sounds really dead simple but it was the sort of stuff that wasn't happening under Lee Johnson and was frustrating the fan base um so almost taking it back to basics has been the best thing that could happen for this group of players because I think you'll agree like the talent in Bristol City squad is actually quite impressive um for a team that you know does fail to make the playoffs year on year so I think it will be a really exciting one under Holden this season and especially with the way we started things hopefully it'll keep going yeah, like you say, you've got you've got a really strong squad. I think me and Mike's both uh, tipped you to finish in like the, the top six or just miss out on a playoff. So we've 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 put you quite far up there. Um, but what what can we expect from like a Dean Holden Bristol City side? So sort of like I was saying, consistency. I think that's the main thing. Is you can look back probably at every game this season and see the common theme in the formation, the way we play, and how we we look to attack. So I'd say. The tenacity as well of the midfield. I think Tyreek Backington's a name you've, you've got to point out um, this season. He's come in. He was probably, I would say, before the start of the season, maybe the fifth choice midfielder. And he's just come in and bossed it. And he's been absolutely excellent. His, his right. work rate, his strength, just excellent for a young kid that really has no real championship experience. It's all League Two loans that he's been at Plymouth and Newport. So... He's been one to really like impress, and I think he kind of at the moment is defining the the Dean Holden style of of being strong, being powerful, and just being tenacious. Yeah, I, a name you've obviously picked out a, a guy for you guys there, but a, a name that will sort of ring bells with Watford fans massively is uh, a certain Adrian Mariapa who you've just signed on a free. Yeah. Now, there was quite a bit of uproar within the club from our side uh, and fans on social media because he perhaps wasn't given well he wasn't given a good buy at all from the club which really upset a lot of our fans because yeah. he, he he's Watford through and through um are you happy with the signing 
Yeah, it was a necessary signing. I think a lot of fans, we, we made a lot of moves in the summer, mind, but I think a lot of fans felt if you're going to play a three at the back form or five at the back effectively formation to only have, like I think it was four centre-backs, five centre-backs, it wasn't enough. You need at least six, I think, if you're going to play a five. Um, and especially now with the injuries we had to Nathan Baker and Alfie Mawson, um, it really basically has left us without centre-backs. So it was a necessary signing. Whether he plays, I don't think he plays in our best 11. Um, I think he will be a squad player for us. Um, but but it was one that we needed to make, that sort of signing. So it'll be exciting to see if he does get a few games. But, um, but yeah, I don't think he'll be in the long-term starting for us. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on with you boys because he, he's very versatile as well and he, he does play at right back as well if you're ever short of options over there as well. Um, so he's definitely going to add something to your squad. Uh, what mm-hmm. are, I think you've touched upon this already, but what are the players to watch for Bristol City? Um, I'll pick out a name you might not expect, but um, Antoine Semenyo has been excellent the last few weeks. Um, another young player that's, that's come through at Bristol City. And he's just, he's just, his work rate's brilliant. Like, I think for a young kid as well, he's really growing each game. There was a lot of criticism sort of aimed his way when he could, because basically he was smashing things for Newport in League Two. We recalled him early for, for whatever reason because we needed like an extra striker. He played maybe four or five games, but just clearly wasn't up to the level at that point. But this season, he's, he's sort of been introduced and been just brilliant, I think. He's, he's maybe not got the goals and the assist to work to sort of, um, to show for it, but he's just been excellent. Chris Martin as well, I think, is looking like one of the buys of the summer for us. Like, oh, definitely. Yeah. Like bringing in, bringing in him. He, he played, um, played again against Derby the weekend. He's playing almost every game. He's getting assists almost every game, and, and he's just the, the hold-up player we sort of need. Um, because the basically we've we've had Juju play that sort of hold-up role as a striker before. He's never really had sort of Martin's, I'd say, maybe composure to bring the ball down and just play off a simple pass. I think that's the, an element that that maybe matches Dean Holden's style of keeping it simple is having that target man that can that can get assists and is calm in the box because I think maybe it's been a bit frantic before. Yeah, you know, Chris Martin's a, a name instantly for me that strikes the fear of God into me. Uh, I think he scored <laughs> he's, in five appearances against us. He scored three goals, which is pretty decent return. Uh, I always seem to remember sort of. Chris Martin bagging mm-hmm. against us. Uh, hopefully that's not the case. Uh, time to throw you under the bus a little bit, part one. Um, what's your score prediction? Because yeah. based on what you've, I don't know what you've seen of us, Ooh. what you've heard of us, score prediction? It's difficult because usually when we do these on the podcast, we'll have like a table where if you get the right result, you get a point. If you get like... Um, now, if you get the right result, you get a point. If you get the right scoreline, you get three. So it gets yeah. quite competitive between me and the boys um, as to, to what we go for. I do think, just on the balance of, of where both teams are at yeah. um, and, and how they've played recently, I do think it'll be a draw. Um, whether it'll be a Desmond 2-2, I'm not sure. But I'll maybe go for a 1-1. I think it will be a, another sort of balanced game and a, a double 1-1 for you guys, sadly. But yeah, I just, I just don't see what separates the two sides at the minute based on how they've played the last few weeks. 
I think me and Mike feel the same. I think coming into this game, I think we'll actually take a 1-1 draw. We do, we do see you boys as a bit of a threat. And after our performance against QPR, where we probably should have lost that game, to be fair, I think we, we, we're definitely going to Ashton Gate wanting to come away with a minimum of a point. Um, but yeah, we ask everyone who comes onto the podcast um, this important question. I've thrown you under the bus a little bit. But it's fine. <laughs> we're approaching December now. Um, who are you free to go up, and who who's your free teams to go down? Oh, it's so hard to call every year, isn't it? At this point, yeah. because it's so you feel like, as well, isn't it? Yeah, you feel like you should have seen enough from the clubs, but there's always one that will surprise you, like late on. So, yeah. I mean, that's the championship. That's what you can expect from it. I think the thing is, though, with the sides that have been relegated, I don't think we've seen stronger sides come down in a while that have managed to sort of stay there. Because if you think over like the last years, we've had a Huddersfield that's sort of come down and really gone down. Sunderland back along as well. I think that's been sort of a um, sort of routine, but I don't see any of that happening this year with the sides that have come down. I think Norwich is set to go up. I, I think they're, they're by and large the, the best team in the league. And then I know they had that early season wobble, but they will go up. Um, Second spot's hard. I would actually fancy Swansea as an outside shout, just yeah. because I just think the football they play is brilliant and, and their defence has been pretty pretty sound so far this season. Um, and then the playoffs is an absolute gamble, isn't it, really? It's almost impossible to call. I would fancy anyone, realistically, from Bournemouth down to Millwall. So like those seven teams, any of them could go up. Yeah, Millwall are outsiders. I fancy them to do really well and get into playoffs this season. They had a late push last season and they actually started the season last season very strong as well. It it became, I think they played us in and around Christmas time and they went up to like third or fourth. So I wouldn't write them off either. I think they're a very strong side. Um, but yeah, genuinely, I think anyone really in the top half could go up and that's forgetting Brentford's start as well. They're only 11th um, and they could make a push and so could Cardiff as well, who tends to do it late on and then they're in 15th. So Genuinely, that third spot to go up, I, I could not tell you. Do you think Reading are going to slip away now? Um, yeah, I think they will a little bit. I, I think they'll be in and around it for playoffs by the end of the season, but they're not. They're, I think that sort of maybe was a false dawn at the start of the season uh, where they were topping it. Mind you, they're only, they're only two points off Norwich. You know, we could, be, we could look at this table in two, three weeks' time and it's completely different. And that's, that's the magic of the championship. I think anyone can take points off anyone. It's maybe not as dominated uh, like it is in the Premier League now so yeah, genuinely well, we're, yeah. we're only two points off Norwich as well and you know the, the people yeah. uh, within the fan, fan base of Watford aren't particularly happy at the start that we've made which is uh, mind-boggling to say the least but um, yeah as Ben said you, you've sort of given us your, your three to go up um, maybe a little bit easier three to go down I think I think this one is a bit easier yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Wickham will go down I okay. think Derby. I think Derby and Sheffield Wednesday will pull it off. I don't think they'll they'll stay down there. I think they're, they're two squads are, are way too strong to go down. It's almost a curse of the West West Ham when they went down. And everyone was telling them they were too good to go down. But um, <laughs> yeah, Wick. I think Wickham will go down. I think Rotherham will be in and amongst it again. Coventry, I'm not sure on. Yeah. Um, like I think they they play a very sort of interest. Well, not, maybe not interesting, but a, a more in-your-face style of football that might actually pull off, like pull it off them. If they can, if they can get it to work, I think they can stay up. Um, so that third spot will be very tight to call. Um, Barnsley have started well, but obviously we're in and amongst it last season. 
Yeah. I, so I'd say, it's, it, once again, I, I've got two nailed on, but one third I won't be able to pin down. So I think Wickham, <laughs> I think Wickham and Rotherham will go down. But then I think it could be maybe like a Birmingham or, or a Barnsley that go down with them. But I, th- I think Sheffield Wednesday, despite the points deduction, will stay up. And I think yeah, Derby no. have got a good enough squad to stay up as well. Yeah, it's definitely going to go agree. down to the last game of the season, isn't it, for playoffs and uh, relegation, isn't it? Yeah, and I think as well, like twelve games in, I feel like you feel like you should have seen enough of the teams, but you, you never have really. You can only really call it, I'd say, probably on on what would be the twenty third match day. I think when you've seen the full round of first fixtures, you can get a rough idea of where it's going to end up, just yeah. based off the fact all the teams have played each other. I think that's realistically the only time you can sort of assess where you're at because. Like I said, things can change so quickly within the space of three weeks. We could be looking at, at Watford on top and Bristol City in like tenth. So it's almost impossible to call. Yeah, you know, five years out of the championship, you sort of don't realise that the championship can literally change from the size of a coin, really. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be a, a very long and interesting season. That, that, that's for sure. And there, there's going to be plenty of uh, ups and downs and surprises and some thrashings and all sorts. So, yeah, uh, we, we thank you very, very much for coming on. Like I say, Owen does host the podcast BS3 Talks, which we'll, uh, we'll tag in the tweet as well. But thank you very much for coming on, Owen. And hopefully, it's an entertaining game for both. And yeah. Bar the two games against us, we wish you very, very well for the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hopefully, my 1-1 prediction turns into a 4-4. I think that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, that would be, uh, yeah, be uh, entertaining to say the least. Yeah, thank you. Lovely. Cheers. <laughs> So, yeah, thank you very, very much for Owen for coming on to speak about the Bristol City game. Just a, a quick word from both of you, gents, on that before we wrap it up. Bristol City, sort of flying high. I think they're above us in the table now. We've dropped down to fifth. I believe they're third. Um, Tom, starting with you, what, this might sound like an obvious question, but what has to change in terms of the team that we put out on Wednesday night? We, would you completely change the formation? Would you stick with the formation that we went with to start with? What What would you change uh, to go into Ashton Gate on Wednesday night? To be honest, I'm not sure I would change too much um, formation-wise. Um, maybe a, a couple of players, like as you said, um, I think I'd, I'd pull Chalibur out and if, uh, if Hughes or Cleverly are fit, stick him straight in. Um, I think that the sort of formation change is kind of more of a, a long burner, really. I'd like to see eventually us play four at the back because I think that suits us better with the players that we have. Yeah. Um, I think going to back to what Ivic said after the game, he was uh, he was incandescent with rage um, about the, the <laughs> desire of the players, and you know he said that there was there wasn't much effort there. So I think that the first thing is that he's he has to make them, you know, work and, and fight for everyone else. We have to build this team spirit, which seems to be missing a little bit. Um, and hopefully, I mean, I'd, I'd hope for a draw on uh, on Wednesday night. I'm not sure we can, uh, we can realistically um, expect anything more than that. Um, I mean, the, the, the sort of away form is a bit of a worry at the moment, but at the same time, we, we need to be, in order to, to go up, we really need to, average a point for each away game which is what we're doing at the moment I think we, we can do so much better mm. but I'm not sure it's it's necessarily a time to kind of panic really 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. Trust me, after yesterday, me and Ben completely agree with that last bit that you've just said. Um, but, yeah, Ben, it, the, the old cliche is win your home games, draw your away games, but Sonny does need to change with, with us on the road. Are, are you echoing Tom there? Are you saying take the point before because of Bristol City's high position? Yeah, you travel there hoping not to lose because uh, Bristol City, they're strong side. Um, they're, they're good at home. Um, we're not great away from home. So looking into it, you, you, you want to take a minimum of a point away from it. But we've definitely got enough in our squad to trouble them. Um, I wouldn't change too much in the team either. I would probably like to keep us doing a 3-4-3 three, three, uh, this week as well. Um, yeah. The only change I'll do is probably take out Chalaba. And I would like to see maybe Cleverly back in if he's fit. Like I said, I don't know why he was missing from the, the squad completely. Um, yeah. so I'd like to bring back in Cleverly or if Cleverly's not available, I'd like to try and find a spot for James Garner in that midfield because like you say, he was really good against Coventry and I don't think he deserved to not play yesterday. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I, I've not seen anything on social media about why Cleverly was, was out of the game. So hopefully it's not an injury and it was just tactical because we certainly missed a player of his sort of work rate yesterday, sort of patrolling up midfield. Uh, and hopefully he is fit to play on Wednesday. Um, you, we've mentioned a couple of times about hopefully seeing us revert to a back four soon. That can obviously only happen providing that we get a left back. Uh, and the we've sort of been being boosted by the news that it looks as if Adam Messina is actually ahead of schedule in terms of his return. Uh, now, it was you that put it out on our Twitter, Ben. When does it look like he's going to be returning? Is it December time, I think somebody said? Yeah, it looks like it's going to be available for the Christmas um, period, which is brilliant because right. originally they, they said January and then they said February, but he's actually been back in light training for a couple of weeks now. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, Ivic just came out and said, these uh, it's about him and yeah I think it's it's really positive I think the team needs it um, I think Ken Semmer needs it a little bit just to give him a bit of a break at left back and then we can yeah. push him further forward so yeah I think it was going to be massive for us um, to get Adam Messina back and like Tom said as well we could possibly revert back to the uh, four at the back then because um, we, we have got the players to probably Soup four at the back, haven't we? Yeah, go four three three possibly. Uh, I, I certainly know that the the formation we're playing isn't Ivic's preferred formation, uh, and getting a left back, whether it be a free agent, which they've obviously not seen anyone that tickles their fancy yet because we've not got anyone in, or whether it's the return of Adam Messina, it will be a massive, massive boost. Uh, and I think Ken Semmer, even though he's worked his socks off and he's been superb, I think he'll breathe a huge sigh of relief that he can possibly play in a more advanced role and not have to sort of defend um, as much. So, but yeah, no, um, I, I think that about wraps up the, the show for this week. And, you know, I'd say, like I said at the start, um, thank you very, very much, Tom, for uh, for coming on. Uh, have, have you guys got anything planned, uh, any any big ones planned for the, the fanzine coming up or... Now's your chance to sort of tell the listeners what what you've got going on at the moment. Yeah, I'll take this opportunity to plug it, definitely. Um, Yeah, we've got um, the second of three issues that will be released in January. Um, Yeah, a lot of hard work going on on that um, as we speak. Um, We've got some exciting new features on that as well, um, which details will come out 
steadily over the next few weeks. Uh, we're still seeking contributions from people. So if any of your listeners want to uh, see their, their stuff in print, whether that be artwork or uh, sort of a written piece, um, please DM or uh, DM us on social media. We're at Watford Fanzine on Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram or Watford's, um, sorry, or email at watfordfanzine at gmail.com. Uh, and we'll we'll do our best to to squeeze in um, contributions from any Watford fans. And uh, yeah, we've we've got it's uh, shaping up to be a good one this this next issue. So uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled on on our social media channels for that. Good stuff. Yeah, completely echo it. I'm, I'm sure Ben does as well. Like, like Tom said, tough times for that sort of industry uh, at the moment. We've not been able to get to games because I believe you usually sell the fanzine outside of the ground. So obviously with no fans, you, that's a big chunk of your sort of income to help with the um, producing the actual fanzine itself. So like Tom said, drop them a message, whether it be on Facebook, email, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, if you haven't already as well, check out their, um, their Troy Deeney edition, uh, which we were very, very thankful to, to to give some information for and sort of give a bit of input for as well, which was uh, brilliant. But um, yeah, no, thank you very, very much for coming on this week, Tom. And uh, everybody check out their stuff really really is good and uh we'll we'll tag all of these social accounts in in the tweet when it goes out um but yeah thank you very very much guys for for joining me and hopefully um don't forget guys it, it is a midweek game on wednesday so it, it won't be a podcast that'll be out it'll be a youtube live hopefully ben can join me depends on his uh you, the, the parenting how uh, how your little one behaves doesn't it ben yeah, just like my life at the moment. <laughs> well, welcome to parent. I say welcome to parenthood as if I've got a kid. Uh, I, I, I don't, but uh, yeah, it, it's been a, a pleasure speaking with you, gents. And hopefully, me and Ben will be back on Wednesday night, and we'll be talking about a victory for the for the Hornets picking up a, a victory at Ashton Gate. Um, and then the next part, we'll be talking about the Preston game and looking ahead to, I believe, Nottingham Forest after that. So, uh, yeah, again, they're coming thick and fast. Thanks, as always, guys, for listening. Likes and retweets are appreciated on the tweet for this release. And, uh, yeah, tell your mates and stay safe, guys. <laughs>